0: Basic training, everybody. This is Michael Bayes. This is your host. And uh, despite popular belief, I did remember that we were supposed to do shows and things like that. And uh, episode 11 was not going to be our last show. I think it's been somewhere close to a month now since I've actually gotten back on the mic and been able to chat. It's, It's holiday season. It was crazy. It was weather. It was sickness. It was... Basically, every excuse you would use to stay out of a health club is every reason that I used to not be able to record a show. And so now that that has been taken care of, we are back. I am back with an entire brand new year for you. And we are full of all kinds of amazing new projects, new information, new systems, new every single thing under the sun in order to help you make fitness more a part of your life. I had a great time in 2012 getting the show started. Thought it was a lot of fun. And I spent the majority of the holiday working on ways to help improve our show and ways to help make this a little bit better as far as getting you some information out and making it more relevant to your life. Uh, so it's it, as much as all the stories about my past experiences and training went. I it, you know, it's great to know where my history came from, but I think in in this year coming forward, what we're really going to work on is I want to show you the inside of my knowledge I want I want to bring that out for everybody and really try to you know bring down some of the greater concepts of training and fitness and workouts nutrition and I can do it through my experience I can also do it through a lot of my education and I, I believe it or not I got that question probably more than anybody else well I, more than anybody else more than myself. Um, I, I got asked that question a lot, you know, what are, what are my credentials, <laughs> I guess, that might actually be somewhat important at some point to know that it's not just some crazy guy spouting his stuff out on a podcast, but I actually have a degree in exercise science, a four-year undergrad from MTSU, and I have a CSCS, CS, which is a certified strength and conditioning specialist from the National Strength and Conditioning Association. I've held that certification for, gosh, one, two, three... I'd say probably going on seven years now. I, I started out with just a basic personal trainer certification and I ended up moving on to something a little bit more advanced uh, and this was all post degree. Um, so, you know, my four year was good, but I didn't feel like it was enough going forward to really justify any of the new technology coming out with fitness, the new methods that were coming out, all of that kind of stuff that kind of rolls into what I do. Uh, you know, it's good to keep up with a, with a certification as well. And also, on that note, going into 2013, I have a major project which I, I gave a little taste of in an article that I posted probably about a week, 10 days ago uh, on the website at basictraining.com. And I have a major, major project that's under wraps right now. You know, I, I'll let it more out as the year goes, but right now, just understand that this is going to be the next leap forward in fitness. This is going to be the next leap forward in my knowledge base as far as what I can do in the amount of information that I can bring to you and just kind of expand your world in the training realm as far as that goes. And that was, that was uh, an email that was about actually about 15 or 20 emails. Uh, Most, some of them were nice asking where, where to get a certification from. And some were, were not so nice saying that I could just be anybody off the street, just, deciding to talk on a show and what do I know about nutrition and XYZ you're blah 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 blah. I find that when you get out on the air, that people really do they're not always very kind. And I don't really understand that. You know, always always strive to try to bring people up and not down. There's your PSA for the day. Always build, never destroy. Okay, that that is completely off topic, and we have absolutely nothing to do with the show tonight. Uh, Tonight, more than anything, we've got two parts to this. Number one is going to be some of the things that I want to – the revelations that I've had over the past four or five weeks as far as having the time off, getting new clientele in, and dealing with these issues – of what do you do when you're starting a fitness program uh, with the new year? What are some tools and techniques that we use? What are some good reading materials that you can use as well? And you know, basically just some of the stuff that I'm dealing with when I get up and go to work every day. And the second part is the main theme of the night. This is going to be the beginning of a series that's going to span two, three, maybe four episodes. And what it's going to be, it's a series on injury prevention. Okay, And we'll get to that specific topic here in just a second, but I want to start tonight by you know g- going over some of the things that Atlas clients are dealing with right now and some of the things that I'm going to be bringing to you guys in 2013. Uh, the first is going to be we are in the midst of filming new videos for the website, and these videos are going to include uh, cooking techniques. They're going to include random funny things that I find on the internet. Uh, different exercise techniques that I will put out on the homework assignments for all Atlas clientele uh, internationally. And in addition to that, we're also going to be doing a lot of rehab exercises, and that's going to involve foam rollers and TheraBands. And basically, I want to build an encyclopedia of valid exercises that you're going to be able to go to the website, take a look at. So when I'm talking about this stuff, like some of the injury prevention stuff we get into tonight, you'll be able to take a look at those videos on the site and actually apply those in your daily life if you're suffering from some of this stuff or if you just come to the site and you really just want to find out different routines to build up your chest or you want to find some of the best ab exercises for uh, that don't stress your lower spine. We're going to be working on those all year long. So look for those to incrementally be added to the website as we go. Well, and in addition to that, I really want to get into some of the the mobile stuff that we've been doing. And it's not going to be any of my stuff. And I think that that's a big thing. Really what I've been dealing with as far as clientele goes over the past four weeks is the inclusion of a wonderful application I talked about a couple episodes back called My Fitness Pal. It's available on the iPhone and on Android. And basically what it is, it's an application that allows you to Input your calories for the day, input your exercises, input your cardiovascular movements, and anything that you're really wanting to do fitness-related, it allows you to keep track of that in a diary standpoint. Now, if if you've known me for a while, you know that I am not necessarily, I'm not a numbers guy, and that doesn't mean that I don't understand caloric intake, I don't understand expenditure and the like, I just don't think it's as necessary as we've made it out to be in, in our world. But the more I thought about that, and you know, we'll get into what you know people were telling me versus what I thought, the more I thought about it, I live this stuff so much every single day that maybe I get lost in how easy it's become for me to do some of this. Uh, because what I've found more than anything is that people want stats and numbers. As much as I want them to understand the core concepts of what they're doing, you know, the the overall writing principles of it, it just doesn't seem Like the population at large is really up for that. Uh, Apparently, we're just a very numbers based society. We want to attach a number to what we're doing. I lost X number of of pounds. I lost this many inches. I lost this much body fat. I took in this many calories. We love to see those numbers because once we have numbers, uh, we can graph them and we can do all other kinds of cool stuff. So, you know, if I'm paying attention to the numbers, it's what people really want in their physique and overall health and whatever gets people more focused on that it's good in my book but the problem with that is is it kind of cut into my trainer pride a little bit the previous statement of anything that gets people to be more aware of their physique and overall health is okay with me that statement that's huge for me that took a very long time to say And because trainer pride is the idea that whoever you're going to, to get your fitness instruction, we want to believe that you are listening to us completely and utterly. So when I give you a nutrition plan, you're listening to my stuff. When I give you an exercise plan, you're adhering to my stuff when i tell you to do cardiovascular moves or when i tell you to do this for rehab or whatever it may be that i am i am the swami i am the guy you come to for everything and that's just not true because any trainer that believes that their version of fitness is different than somebody else's other than just the you know the i guess the fluff or the the presentation of it it's just not true exercise is exercise I will teach you a bench press the same way somebody else will. The only real difference in that is who you connect with as far as as training goes. And that's kind of hard for us to let go sometimes as trainers is that it's not necessarily going to be our stuff that people are going to come to us with. So, you know, when I have clients coming to me and say, "Hey, I got this great new app. It shows me how to do these exercises." You know, a couple of years ago, I probably would have been a little bit offended by that. It would have been, well, well, you know, I gave you stuff too. Well, why don't you come use my stuff? But it's it's not that way. They're all your clients are still always going to come to you to show them how to apply whatever that application is, whatever that uh, workout DVD is, whatever uh, this this group boot camp is. They're going to come to you to figure out how to plan that in their lives. It's another tool, and that's where my fitness pal comes in. It's something that when you put it on your phone or, or any mobile device, I think it, I think it may be on the iPad as well. I'm not sure, but when you put it on there, it not only allows you to input your your food diary and see what's in there as far as calories and macronutrient content and all of in tracking your weight and exercises, it does all that. The big feature that I'm finding useful as a trainer is that it allows you to share your diary. And so what you can do if you're one of my clients and you friend me on MyFitnessPal, it's it's Michael Bays, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-B-A-E-S. It's all one word. Uh, feel free to look me up on there and add yourself if you want to. It lets me take a look at what you do. And we, we can share it back and forth. And I can actually, as a trainer, take a look at what you've done daily. And all I have to do is say, hey, you know, I'm seeing this for lunch and dinner. Why don't you try changing it to this and this? And what that does, that allows you as the client to then – it allows you to begin changing your own food patterns and your own exercise systems, and I just become kind of a voice of, you know, it's a suggestion here or there, and then you actually get to figure it out for yourself. So what I'm finding is it's it's much, much, much more powerful for you to actually take that um, into your own hands and just let me kind of be a guide during the whole thing. It doesn't always have to be in under my control. So, and I think that's kind of a revolution that we're going to be seeing in the next year, two, or five years, whatever it may be. Uh, My Fitness Pal is one. Uh, the Fitbit is another one. That's a great little device that you can attach to your waist and it tracks your work, your movements, your heart rate, all that stuff all day long. I think that's at Fitbit.com. Check it out and just uh, take a look with it. But that all kind of comes back to the concept of numbers versus. Uh, Science, it comes back to instinct versus science, you know, habit versus willpower. Is it something that you need to look at these numbers to be reinforced or is it something that you just do? You know, I find that having done it for this many years, I don't really think too much about my daily routine when it comes to diet and exercise. You know, I still plan it out and I plan out what I'm going to do in the gym. I still actively pack my food on a daily basis. I still cook it. Uh, I still box it up and it goes, but it's much more automatic. Uh, I don't just give it all that much thought. It's automatic. It, it's automatic at this point. It has crossed over into the realm of being a habit. And, you know, this is part of my reflection over the past four weeks. Over the holidays, I had a chance to read The Power of Habits by Charles, and I'm going to ruin his last name, Duhigg. It's D-U-H-I-G-G, and I'm just Duhigg is as good as it's going to get. In this book, he lays out the concepts for what a habit is you know, how we form them, rely on them, and even how to, how to change them for the better or for worse. And the idea is that if you do something enough times, you actually – it moves from conscious thought into subconscious thought. And the only example I could think of this other than what I've done with exercise is – I'm sure there are better examples out there, and this one's really scary – is I don't know if you've ever gotten in a car and started driving, and then 10 minutes later, you arrive at your destination – and then somehow you kind of forgot how you got there because somehow all those little motions you did with the driving from braking to turn signals to steering was so automatic. It was so habit. You didn't have to spend any conscious thought to actually be aware. You were aware the whole time your subconscious was doing it, but you actually didn't have to consciously think about what you were doing. It's like the little driving corrections that we do by turning the wheel left to right. That becomes habit. And somehow I found a way to cross that over into diet and exercise and all of that. And it, if you want to, I, I highly suggest you read this book. It shows you how to make habits. It shows you how to do them better. And it shows you how to what's really involved in forming them. Again, it's uh, The Power of Habits by Charles Duhigg. And you can go to Amazon and check it out. Uh, I'll try to post a link up on the site as well. And you can enjoy that. It's it's a great read. And it also reminded me of another great one. We won't talk about it all that much. And a lot of you probably have read this, and that is Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. And the synopsis of that is simply, and I'm going to go back to Traits of the Master, and that's just a part of what he's doing, is if you do something for enough hours, you master that technique. and. That's kinda how I want to attack a twenty thirteen. That's a that's a concept that you guys can put out there for yourselves. If you practice what we're doing here, whether it's running or lifting weights or eating correctly, eventually it's gonna develop itself into a habit and you can actually master that process and then you don't really have to think about it anymore. And once you've gotten to that point, you can you could probably turn off the show and not worry about ever talking or listening to me again. Just enjoy some of the crazy videos that I end up putting up online and you know, have yourself a good night. But those are two great ones, Outliers, Malcolm Gladwell, and Power of Habits by Charles Duhigg. And those are some of the revelations that I had over the Christmas and New Year's holiday, which was fantastic. So, but that's, you know, that was just some of the stuff that I was thinking about and I did. I thought you guys might enjoy that. But anyway, on to the real topic about tonight's show, which is going to be about the lumbar spine. And it's a big part of of what you're going to be dealing with, whether you're a gym veteran, whether you're starting a brand new fitness routine. This is just something eventually you will be dealing with during your career. So to help you stay injury-free, I'm going to put together my best tips, my tricks, my rehab exercises, and knowledge about your lumbar spine. So we're going to go into that tonight a little bit, and I'm going to try to break it down and make you understand when your low back hurts, what that is, how you can deal with it, if it's real, if it's, if it's just something we need to get past, or if it's, you know, do you need to go in and have physical therapy, or do you need a chiropractor, do you need surgery? We're going to go into that, and then we're going to finally break into how do, if we know we have a problem, how do we fix it? What are some of the methods and the routines that are going to be the best way to help make yourself better? So, I hope everybody's ready. Grab a notebook, some pencils, some paper, whatever you want. We are going to actually break into this right now. Disclaimer. This is a big one. Why am I qualified to talk about this? Ladies and gentlemen, I have three fully herniated discs in the locations of lumbar 4, lumbar 5, and sacral 1. That's L4, L5, and S1. I sustained the injury at 19 years old, And I finally had it confirmed uh, via a CT scan during my hospital stay in 2012 when I almost died from awesome bacteria. I've lived with this injury for 10 years, and I've had ups, I've had downs, I've had periods where it's 100% fine. I've had flare-ups so bad that I actually lost complete feeling in the lower half of my body, and I did not know if I was going to be able to walk again, which is incredibly freaky. And that actually happened earlier, you know, when it first happened. but I've had this for so long that when I talk about this, not only am I speaking from my anatomical background, my exercise science background, but I'm also talking from actual personal experience. This is a big one to me because I deal with this every single day, and I know it's very valuable to, for you guys to have this information. So we're gonna begin breaking it down, and we're gonna start with, a brief overview of your spine. I think it's important to understand how your spine works, what it is, and you know, get a picture in your mind of what we're dealing with before we actually try to analyze what your problems are. Uh, so, In the beginning, your spine is composed of three basic things, vertebrae, intervertebral discs, and nerve roots. Now, there are also facet joints and other miscellaneous parts. And, and yes, I'm aware that I just made that incredibly simple that I said miscellaneous parts when involving your spine and spinal cord and, and all that stuff. But as far as you're concerned from an injury standpoint, vertebrae, intervertebral discs, or we'll just shorten it to discs, and also nerve roots. Okay. You have 24 individual vertebrae that are divided into three specific sections of your spine it's a cervical or the neck region, the thoracic or the mid region of the back, and finally into the lower lumbar. That's what it's called, the lumbar is the low back. And you also have something in there called the sacrum, which is it sits right down below the lumbar spine, and it finally ends in something called the coccyx or the tailbone. And trust me, I laughed at that so much during AMP. I it, I mean, look, if I can ever it's kind of like the word duty if I can ever say that without laughing. I have officially I need to quit living because I've grown up way too much. <laughs> Sorry, it's just it makes me smile every time. <laughs> All right, I'm moving on, I'm gonna be professional again. The neck contains seven vertebrae. The thoracic contains twelve, and the lumbar contains five. You know, back when I was in school, we actually we did not classify uh, the sacrum. Uh, as lumbar or as vertebrae themselves, there's something a little bit different. So, it, you know, for our purposes again tonight, seven vertebrae uh, in the in the oh, excuse me in the cervical vertebrae, seven cervical vertebrae. <laughs> uh, the thoracic contains twelve, and the lower lumbar contains five. So, just keep that in mind as we go through the overview of a vertebrae. In between each one of them sits a disc. This disc is pliable, it's malleable, malleable, however you want to say it. And it's very – think of it like jelly. It's like a big sack of jelly that sits in between two hard bones. And these allow the spine to – if you want a visual, it allows the spine to bend like a big slinky. Um, It's an enormous stack of vertebrae and jelly sacks. That's your spine. And they allow that bending motion back and forth. If you've ever seen an office chair in which you can actually bend it backwards and forwards, that is basically what your spine is like. And that's how it's allowed to move is through those intervertebral discs. So, so what do they do? Well, the vertebrae protect something called the spinal cord. And that's what allows all the nerve conduction, allows you to, to walk and to move and to feel your toes and, and do all that, to get brain impulses down. And by providing a solid base of support, the vertebrae are encasing that spinal cord. And as the discs go in between that vertebrae and allow it to bend and flex, you know, the slinky thing, essentially what can end up happening, I mean, you know, their entire purpose is to protect the spine, but what can end up happening is they can end up breaking or they can tear or they can just essentially wear out over time. And we'll get to that in a little bit, but that's kind of what this whole section is going to be about is the relationship between your vertebrae, your discs, And how those affect the nerves of the spinal cord. Because your spine's main purpose is to support massive amounts of weight in the body. It's what allows you to carry stuff. It's what allows you to pick things up. It is the main focal point of how you get around and how you move. But, I mean, since none of that would be possible, you know, the the spinal cord is the big thing. But all that support structure that I just talked about, it's important to understand why we would have issues with that because once it's broken, we have major problems. And that's kind of like what we're going to go into next, which is, okay, we've got something broken, so what do we do about it? If you're going to be lifting for any period of time, you're going to go through symptoms of tight back or you're going to have slight aches and pains. You may get something you would describe as a tweak all these terminologies that kind of come together and they coalesce into something in which we, it, it's soft tissue back pain. It's indescribable. We don't really understand it in the beginning. But honestly, from my experience, there is no easy way to tell when it's purely muscular versus when you have some of that structural problem where you are getting a disc involved or or something or you cracked vertebrae. It's hard to know the difference. You know, Usually unless you're under the age of 21, That's a big one. The younger you are, the more soft it's going to be. Any acute trauma, falling, lifting incorrectly, a hard impact, whatever it may be, it's going to cause deterioration in the spine. And what that means is if you hit something enough over time or you lift it or you use it, it's going to wear down. Your body is no different than your car that you're driving. You drive it long enough, little parts start to break here and there. And if you think about it, that disc is really kind of small, but when it breaks, it's a pretty big deal. So, But that causes deterioration. Every time you have something occur with your back, you hit it, you fall, like I said, you're going to have deterioration. Now, whenever it crosses the line between the musculature being injured, you're playing soccer, you fall, somebody kicks you in the back, that's going to be more of a soft tissue injury. Versus when you bend over, pick up a box, and all of a sudden it feels like fire has erupted in your lower back. And you drop it, and you can't move, and you say, my back went out. Or my back popped, or something along those lines. That is usually indicative of disc or structural problems. But I'll define them for you here so you guys can actually know the difference between when, to, when do I have a strain, or is it nerve irritation? Or is it truly, uh, you know, bulging disc? Or, or the main things that can happen. A strain is defined as a stretch injury to ligaments, tendons, and/or muscles around the lower back. Could be mid thoracic back. Could be the neck as well. Strains typically include micro tears in the soft tissue that can result in localized swelling. So basically, it's going to uh, it's going to get warm. It's going to feel like a pulled muscle. It's going to be tight and inflamed. Typically, this is the most common type of low back injury, It usually occurring in an acute fashion after some specific trauma. It's like I said, somebody kicked you, you fell, something along those lines. That's when you're going to have your strain. It can be easily identified by picking something up or putting it down, but it just kind of shoots up to the top, and all of a sudden, you're like, whoa, this is not going well. Treating a strain is along the same lines as you would anything else, you're going to be rest. You're going to have ice, anti-inflammatory drugs, and an possible massage later on. It's going to heal somewhere in the range of 72 to 96 hours. It's three to four days. It could take a little bit longer depending on if, it was, if you got a car wreck, and you can actually see bruising and a lot of swelling. You know That strain could last a long time. Now, the lower back receives less blood supply than a lot of the rest of you, so it takes a little bit longer for that to heal. Now, moving on from the strain, we're gonna to go to the next level. And that is a nerve irritation. Like I said, that spinal cord is sitting right in the middle of that giant support structure called the spine. An irritated nerve is a nerve that's swelling. And a nerve that's swelling, it will end up giving it it gives a lot of different pain points, and they may not always be centered around your back. But the nerves of the lumbar spine can be irritated by mechanical pressure. Something can impinge it. It can actually be put pressure down on it by a bone or, or tissues. Even from some diseases, they can actually impinge the nerves uh, as well. And anywhere along their path, you will get something that would cause it to flare. Uh, from their roots at the spinal cord to the skin surface, anywhere can be affected along these ways. These conditions include bony encroachments or spurs. And a bone spur is just it's a, it's a calcified deposit that sits on the bone. And it develops over time, typically after points of injury. So you get hit in the back, it heals, and all of a sudden you get this little little bone spur from something that just kind of um, settled on one of the vertebrae. and Or it could be caused by a viral infection. Uh, shingles is a big one that will cause nerve irritation in the back, anywhere from the neck down to the lower lumbar. And this is something, like I said, you may not necessarily know it's in your back. You know that your back aches, but you may feel... Uh, a calf cramp. You may feel a foot cramp. You could feel restless leg syndrome. Things like that would actually pop up once that nerve has been irritated enough. And it's not fun. I mean, that's it because that's going to kind of bleed into the big one. And this is really where we're going to spend the majority of the night. If you suffer from the first two, those, I hate to say it, those are easier. You know, everybody's pulled a muscle and had to wait three days. Sometimes you get something that lasts a little bit longer, but what we're going to get into right now, this is something called a herniated disc or bulging disc or slip disc or pop disc. It's got a, a hundred different names, degenerating disc, call it what you want. Essentially what happens, this is the Queen Mother. A herniation occurs because the soft tissue between your vertebrae, the disc, it wears down. I mean it, it wears down the same way uh uh lubricant would wear down in between a car and things start to rub together. Uh The beginnings of this issue are hugely wear and tear. It could happen just because you've gotten older or because of overuse. It's usually initiated and followed by a a traumatic experience. So let's say you've got something that's worn out. It's going to take something that you do. Again, you're bending over. You're 40 years old. You haven't moved in a while. You pick up that box. Pop. All of a sudden – your life is just pretty much ended at that point or you think it is that wear and tear has finally gotten to a point where the disc has squeezed out of its outer ring if you imagine the disc is an actual just a circle that's sitting in between that bone again it's pushed out so you actually have moved the disc out through part of that uh, in- encompassing casing in between the vertebrae and it is now entering the spinal cord or its nerves as they exit the spinal column. Basically, you're pushing the rubber coating through a li- or the, the live wire through its rubber coating. And if you touched it, it's going to shock you to death. This rupture is what's normally recognized as the cause of something called sciatica. okay So when the disc is ruptured out and it's touching on the spinal column, you're gonna get something called sciatica. And that's the pain of a herniated disc as it shoots from the lower back down your butt through your legs into your feet. The pain commonly increases with movements at the waist. It can increase with coughing or sneezing. And the pain is characterized by localized swelling in the region. It's warm to the touch. And additionally, the pain is usually greater to one side or the other. Like you'll feel it out to one side of your hip, and you think, well, my hip hurts. Well, it's actually the pressure from that disc pushing on your spine that's actually causing the hip to misalign, and that's why it hurts. Confirmation of this, though, is usually found through an MRI or a CT scan, like what I had. Uh, because if you don't have that, typically you're going to go to a doctor and say, my back hurts, and he's going to say, here's some ibuprofen, take three days, and you're going to be all right. Well, the problem with that is if it really is your disc, it is a lifelong injury injury you cannot repair an intervertebral disc without surgery at all. Isn't that nice? So once you get this injury, this is something that's going to last you a long time. This means over time, no matter what, you can and you probably will develop some type of back issue. Like I said, you're going to wear down. These are associated with the lower back region more than anywhere else. Okay, You can also injure the neck. You can injure the thoracic spine. But the lower lumbar is typically where you're going to have the most issue. And the simple solution of why is because the most weight is situated in that lower back region. Remember, your spinal column stops at your pelvis. So all the weight of your upper body is coalescing and forcing itself down on that one point. And that one point is between L1 and S1. That's your lumbar down to your sacral. And that's where most of your issues are going to take place. And that's what we're going to focus on here. So And that's where we'll go with it tonight as we move into the third part here of kind of how to fix this issue more than anything else. Uh, But one thing you need to look at, this is probably the most important statement that I'm going to do other than show you how to fix it and what we're going to do about it. And that is if you wake up in the morning and it takes a few minutes to, air quotes, loosen up or you wake up and your back is tight and it feels like you're just not moving as well as you should – That is probably the biggest major symptom of a deteriorating disc issue. That is a deteriorating spine issue. That is something that you need to worry about, and you don't need to begin actively stretching. You don't need to begin doing that. You need to take these next points of advice, which is now that you know all about that part of the low back, how do we fix it? This is something that I've been dealing with for so long I have come up with the best ways, at least for me, and you will have to find out what works for you in order to fix this issue. But the first and foremost, we're going to tell you how the best ways to get rid of your sciatica and the best ways to get rid of basically all the pain. First and foremost, no matter what, you must reduce all of your inflammation. That is paramount before stretching. That is paramount before your new age weight loss solution. That is paramount before anything you can come up with is if you do not get the swelling out of your low back, it will not get any better. Hope I was clear about that. You must take any steps necessary to reduce the swelling. This includes anti-inflammatories. Personally, I'm an ibuprofen fan. I feel it works much better on muscular tissue. It helps reduce the inflammation over time. You're talking, and again, I'm not a doctor, so I'm pretty sure. if a doctor, listen to this: I'm allowed to prescribe ibuprofen because I can buy it at Walgreens. That kind of counts. Anywhere between 200 and 800 milligrams, whatever it takes to get the inflammation down. Every whatever the package says, I'm pretty certain I don't pay attention to that. So <laughs> I think it's every six hours. But you know, when it hurts, you have to knock the inflammation down. Ice every 20 minutes. You can you Do not alternate with heat. You are not allowed to heat it. Do not stretch it. No heating pad, no bathtub, nothing. It's all ice, all ibuprofen until you wake up and you're not tight in your low back anymore. That's the only way. That's step number one. If you listen to nothing else past this point, that is going to be how you reduce all that pain in the lower lumbar. But now that we have the pain reduced, the real key to that, the thing that's really going to make the biggest difference going forward is not what you've probably thought you should do, which is something I hear every day. And that is, I need a stronger core. I need to work on my abs. I need to work on my low back to strengthen the muscles around the spine in order to make sure this doesn't happen again. Nothing is being proven to be further from the truth than that exact statement. You have an extremely pissed-off spine, and the worst thing you can do is bend it and twist it and, you know move back and forth doing a sit-up bench or crunches, you're going to aggravate it and you're going to cause inflammation. That inflammation is going to cause that area around that disc to swell. That swelling is going to hit the spine. That's going to cause it to shoot pain down your leg, which is going to cause that place to swell, which causes the (laughs) disc to actually push on the nerve. You see how it goes? It's a vicious cycle that's going to continue every time you cause it to be active. So my suggestion and this is from my own, my own experience on this one, not to mention some science backing this up as well. Do not attempt any core exercise. Do not attempt any direct lower back exercise. That is going to hurt more than help. Instead of doing that, here's where we're going to actually add some cool stuff to the show. It's, I'm not going to leave you hanging. It's it's not going to be like a, an amazing cliffhanger. Tune in next week, and I'll finally give you the clues. You need to develop the glutes the hamstrings, and the calves. If you give yourself a better base of support, you're going to take a lot of the pressure off your low back. And in order to show you exactly what I mean, we're recording two separate exercises that I've worked with personally, and my clients know these, that are going to help you in developing those parts without hurting your back that will allow you to take that pressure off the spine. And I'm going to post these up when the show goes live. I'm going to make sure that we throw that up for you. And then you'll have those complimentary videos to help you figure out how to put that into your uh, your therapy, your healing regimen, as it were. If you develop the glutes and the hamstrings, if you develop the base of support of your body, like I said, remember, all of the spine is sitting right in the pelvis. Everything's just kind of sitting down in there. If you have a stronger hip structure, and you turn the motions of what you do into hip motions as opposed to back motions, you will have to do less work, you will be less injured overall, and you will be much better able to do things like the old adage, you know, when you lift something up, lift from your legs. You'll understand what that means a lot more when the glutes, hamstrings, and to a lesser extent the quads and calves, when those are developed the right way, your low back pain will diminish almost entirely. And I I can't promise you're not going to have flare-ups, but you definitely are going to reduce the daily symptoms. No more pain medication. No more crazy weirdness uh, as far as pills and potions and whatever else going on. You'll be normal. And increasing on that, again, in addition to the videos, I highly suggest that once you start learning how to do these, you really work on increasing the range of motion in the hamstrings, glutes, uh, to lesser extent quads and calves. And what does that mean? That means that once you learn how to do this move, you learn to do this move through its full range of motion because that's going to go into the next part of this, which is you must increase your overall flexibility. I'm going to record a few videos that have to do with a foam roller. These are going to be a lot of fun for you. And this is something that will help you only after you've paid attention to the first rule. All the inflammation has to be gone. Once you do that and you develop the lower half of the body, naturally let it go down a full range of motion due to gravity, that's when you're going to get your absolute best results, less back pain, and better chance of being able to go on and do what you want to do. I've made my best gains, my best physique results, after an injury that most people will classify as debilitating forever. I currently live with this, and if I can get my doc to release uh, the image of my CT scan, that's going on the web, too, because you got to understand, this is real. I deal with this day in and day out, and I can still deadlift. I can still squat. I can still pick up boxes. I can still lift an amazing amount of weight over my head, even with that, more than anything else. I can be normal, and I want you to be that way as well. So I'm going to share with you those videos and those tips as far as how to stretch, how to how to go through foam rollers, how to go through the motion correctly so that your back can actually deal with this the way mine does. Um, and the final thing that you'll get after tonight as well will be the actual account of when that happened. Uh, I wrote a little story that is just kind of cute. Cute's a terrible word. And John's not <laughs> going to edit that one out. Oh, my God. All uh, right. That's what happens when you just continue to do a show like this and you don't You don't read what you're about to say. I think you're cute. (laughs) I don't have a response for that (laughs) at all. But Uh. no, I I wrote an account of exactly how it happened because I'm sure that there's somebody out there who did what I did, which is you read a magazine, you thought this was great, you're doing this exercise, and then all of a sudden, bam, it's over. And what do you do? you know, you got to find a way to come back. So that's going up on the site as well. All this stuff that I talked about tonight, and again, that's just a very basic overview of what this stuff is. The videos will go more in-depth with what we're talking about, and then you can actually put images to what I just said and why it won't hurt your back to do what I'm telling you to do. All that's available at basictraining.com. There'll be a link on the website to the website. That doesn't make sense. Bad notes, but you know what? We're just going to roll with that anyway. It's at www.baes-ictraining.com. Dot com. That's where you're going to find all the shows. It's where you're going to find my blog. It's where you're going to find uh, all kinds of crazy stuff, information on our classes, boot camps, and an ability to contact us via the forums or send me an email directly. So, But I think that's going to do it for tonight, guys. This is This was the beginnings of the Lower Spine Show. You're going to get some more of that next week as I kind of, again, as the videos are out, we're going to really go into how we build a routine with that. I think that's something that's going to be very valuable to you if you listen again to nothing else that I listen to or that I say. This show, the next show, and two more down the road, those are going to be the ones that are going to keep you moving all the way through 2013. It's a big deal when you're doing your biggest loser challenges at work because I know you guys are doing them. I hear about those every single day. This is what's going to separate you from the pack because it's going to keep you lifting, it's going to keep you running even when you may not want to and you're hearing these people about all these tweaks and this and that and the other, all these crazy injuries, if you listen to what I'm saying tonight, that's going to change and you'll be able to extend your training life well beyond 2013 and into the future. So from me to you, happy 2013. I am so stoked to be back. We have a great year of shows coming for you. I hope you enjoy tonight and good night. Oh, 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 oh oh, 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 oh